is John Finnamore's souvenir programme. Hey, how'd you find it? Well, you know, not too bad. I, I answered all the questions anyway. How, how about you? Yeah, all right. I guess the last one a bit, but basically all right. What did you put for question two? Oh, the coefficient of friction one. Well, I tried resolving the forces vertically and I got something like W equals 0.2T over X to the power of 10, but I think I should have substituted for T and solved for X. What, what did you put? Six. <laughs> six? Yeah. Six what? Just six. <laughs> Just a number six. Right, OK. Um, what, what was your thinking there? Well, my thinking was that the answer was six. <laughs> I can't exactly remember why now, but I, I definitely thought that. Why, well, are you fairly sure about your, your thingy with the vertical thing? Well, I, I don't know for sure. Um, well, let's ask Lizzie. Lizzie? Yeah? Yeah, what, what do you put for question two? Question two? Let me think. Yeah, I did a drawing of a sea lion. <laughs> did, did you? Yeah, sea lion in a little hat. <laughs> what, why, what did you put? Well, we put different things. But not a sea lion in a little hat. Are you you're sure it wasn't about the coefficient of friction between a cone and a plane? Would the answer to that be a sea lion in a little hat? Probably not. <laughs> then I don't think so. But let's ask Steve. Steve? Yeah? Question two, what did you put? Question two, uh, a sea lion in a hat. <laughs> a little hat? Well, medium-sized. Yeah, but small for the sea lion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's that? Right, you see, I... I put quite a complicated value for W in terms of T and X, and Luke here put six. Yeah, on the hat. What? Well, sorry, I, I took drawing a sea line in a hat for granted. I thought you meant what number did I put on the hat? <laughs> yeah, six on the hat, that's right. But then, none of this makes any sense. Unless... Oh. What? Well, unless this is all a dream, and I'm not sitting exams at all. In fact, I'm 43 now. I'm just worried because I've got that presentation to do tomorrow and I haven't really prepared. No, this is real. Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe you didn't put a sea line in a hat. <laughs> so, hello, here we are. Uh, welcome to the Tajikistan Hilton, Snow Leopard Central. Uh, we hope. Uh, one cave, two men, two sleeping bags, one camera. Well, two counting this one. All we need now is a big white pussycat. And here we have the good doctor, Dr. Jonathan Culliford of Oxford University, no less. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> Who I first had the pleasure to meet, uh, what, five hours ago? <laughs> About that, yes. <laughs> Still uh, plenty of time now to, to get to know each other. Aye, six months of it. <laughs> we'll know each other better than their own wives do, but then. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Actually, I'm not married. Oh, well, there we are. That's the sort of thing we'll find out. So, uh, for now, <laughs> from Leopard Villas, goodbye. Oh, so. So. <laughs> well, it's rather nice in a way, isn't it? I, uh, no radio, no TV, nothing, nothing to do all day but watch those mountains and, uh, and talk to one another. True, true enough. Uh, so, so, for instance, how, how did you first become fascinated with the, with the snow leopard? Oh, uh, well, me? Oh, the beasties leave me cold, I'm afraid. Uh, but, but, you know, for a cameraman, a big wildlife doc was about the best gig you can get. But why are you a big leopard guy, are you? <laughs> well, yes, I, I, suppose, I suppose so. I spent more, more or less my whole life studying them, so yes. yes. All right, well, I admire that. Oh, and I, I admire you, too. Well, oh, right, a little mutual appreciation society we've got. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what's your club? Oh, 
Uh, well, the Explorers Club, actually. I, not that I consider myself an explorer, you understand, but... Uh, no, your club. Which club do you follow? Oh, God, yes, I'm sorry. I, uh, I'm afraid I don't really follow football. All oh, right. Yeah, but cricket, though. Big cricket fan, I don't suppose you... Uh, not so much, no. <laughs> do you like cooking? Not really. Uh, sailing? No. Poker? Afraid not. Right, OK, then. Six months, yeah. <laughs> mm. Mm. Look, a snow leopard! No, where? Not really. <laughs> Here we go, sir. It's one key enough. I can cut you a second for half the price. No, one's enough, thanks. Oh, uh, before I go... Yes, sir? Uh, sorry, I've always wondered. Why do you guys always sell trophies? Oh, these? Yeah, I mean, you know, what is it about keys and trophies that go together? I mean, it's not like you use the same machine or anything, is it? No, no, no. But, uh, well, take you, for instance, sir. Yeah? Well, I bet you've been meaning to get that key cut for a while, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I have, actually. How did you know? Oh, it's the same for everyone, sir. It's never an urgent job. It just nags away at you. Only you kept forgetting or you didn't have time. That's right, yeah. And that little job sat at the back of your mind... You barely noticed it, but there it was. Another way in which you were inefficient and disorganised. <laughs> not a proper grown-up. Exactly, yeah. But today, sir, you've done it. You've done that job. Well done, sir. <laughs> Very well done. Oh. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> Maybe you should get yourself a trophy. <laughs> Sorry, what? Just a little one. I got around to it. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Are you sure, sir? You have done really well today. Don't you think you owe yourself a little trophy? <laughs> yeah, not really. I mean, well, you know, it's not the same if you buy it for yourself, is it? Oh, that's a funny thing, sir. It is. <laughs> it's exactly the same. You earned it, now you've got it. Who cares who gave it you? The important thing is, you did really, really well, <laughs> and you've got a trophy. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. Good for you, sir. That'll be 12 quid. And now, let me present you with your trophy. <laughs> well done, sir. Very well done. That was nice. I like that. I thought you would, sir. <laughs> Do you know what? I bet there's a few more of these you qualify for. I finally learnt my internet banking ID, and now I don't have to keep looking it up. <laughs> I was going to buy a packet of crisps. Then I didn't. <laughs> I am of above average height. Go on, then. I'll take them all. Good choice, sir. Well done. My lords and ladies of the Admiralty, Abel Seaman Johnson is therefore charged with being intoxicated whilst on duty, conduct unbecoming of a member of Her Majesty's Armed Forces, and the use of a foghorn for purposes not sanctioned in standing orders. How do you plead? Guilty, ma'am. Very well. Gentlemen, your views. Well, given that it is a first offence, I incline towards clemency. I recommend we merely suspend him from active duty without pay for three months. Very well. And you? Well, I take a rather different view. I think we should put him in a longboat till he's sober. <laughs> I'm sorry? Put him in a longboat till he's sober. No, I... I still... Put him in a longboat till he's sober. Ally in the morning. <laughs> what is a longboat? Oh, well, you know, like, like one of our normal boats, but uh, longer. <laughs> Have such a boat. Well, there's the HMS Ocean, 667 feet. That's quite long. My lord, the HMS Ocean is not a boat. Really? 
It's definitely boat-shaped. <laughs> anyway, any long boat would do. My central point is simply that we should put him in one until uh, he's sober, early in the morning. <laughs> Why? I don't really know. It's a gut instinct. Uh, I just think there's something about the length of the boat and the earliness of the morning that will, you know, really make him think about what he's done. And, of course, by the end of it, he'll be sober. With respect, sir, the prisoner has been in charge for three weeks. He's pretty sober already. Oh, is he? Oh, well, why didn't you say so? In that case, I, I think our course is clear. Do you? Absolutely. It is my firm and considered opinion. It's our duty as admirals of the Royal Navy to shave his belly with a rusty razor. <laughs> Let me finish. Shave his belly with a rusty razor. Shave his belly with a rusty razor. <laughs> Ally in the morning. <laughs> Worlds, do you think that will achieve? Well, number one, a smoother belly. Can I just say? <laughs> so, can I just say I would prefer the longboat? Ah, but... You see, he thinks the longboat's a good idea. All right, I've heard enough. Able Seaman Johnson, you will be suspended from active service for a duration of not less than three months, during which time you will be required to attend regular sessions in managing your relationship with alcohol. Spoil spot. Yes, well, you were being very silly. Suppose. <laughs> but uh, these sessions. What time will they be? I, I don't know. What, what does it matter? Early in the morning. Oh, very well. Regular sessions in alcohol management, early in the morning. That concludes this session. The court will now rise. Hooray! And up she rises. Early in the morning. <laughs> Seen any yet? Any what? Uh, any snow leopards? <laughs> no. I, I would definitely tell you if I saw one. I, I know, just my little joke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I can't believe I didn't think of it before. Wine! I bet you know all about wine. See, I know a wee bit myself. Pal of mine runs a vineyard in Australia. He's told me all about your tannins and your terroirs. Your... No. Sorry. You don't like it or just don't know about it? Because I could teach you, maybe. Teetotal. All oh, right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Chess? No. Fishing? No. Art? No. <laughs> ah, got it. What do you drive? You're not going to like this. Oh, right. Prius or something, is it? Big old Volvo. Yeah, it's worse. I, I actually don't have a car, just, just a bike. A bike? I love bikes. What you got? Oh, terrific. Well, uh, look, I've got two, actually. I've got a fairly ordinary Trek for road cycling, but I also ride a Cervelo frame on fulcrum wheels, and you were probably talking about motorbikes, yes? <laughs> yeah, and you, you don't have a pedal bike. Uh, my daughter's got one. Oh, yes, and, and do you know what sort? I think it's called a glitter bug. Uh... <laughs> Oh, she's eight. Yeah. Oh, right. Any kids yourself? No, no. Gay, actually. Oh, right. <laughs> My sister's gay. Oh, yes. How's she finding it? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Good. And our next question, please. How should we deal with that incredibly complex thing that everybody wants solved, but all the possible solutions to which make some people very angry? 
Philip Sutton, Shadow Minister for Shipping and Shopping. Well, our stance on this is very clear. We want to see a national debate on the subject. A national debate. Absolutely. This is a pressing question and the people should really buckle down to sorting it out. Everyone should stop what they're doing, turn to the person next to them and just argue the hell out of it until the answer becomes clear. But isn't that what the people elect politicians to do? No. They elect us to tell them when the national debate begins. And it begins when I say go. Go. Anne McAllister, third party spokesman for Things That Face West. Well, I'm sorry, but I think it's high time we did something about this issue, specifically argued about it. What we need is a national debate. Yeah, I said that already. No, I mean a proper national debate. Everyone in Britain needs to compare diaries, find a day we can all do, then meet up, perhaps somewhere conveniently near the middle, like Nottingham, get round <laughs> one really big table, really big table, and thrash this thing out. Yeah, but how can we thrash it out when the various camps are so intractably opposed? That's exactly the sort of tough question the general public should be asking each other. But, well, I'm asking you it now. I don't want to interrupt the national debate. Right. <laughs> well, let me turn now to Mark Gillard, the Minister of Sound. <laughs> well, government is about leadership, and frankly, the time for a national debate on this issue is past. That's why I'm immediately going to set up a citizen's jury. Right, weighing evidence and arguments presented to them by experts in the field. Good Lord, no. No. The, the British public is rightly suspicious of so-called experts. And by so-called experts, you mean... I mean experts. Oh. <laughs> All experts are so-called by the people who call them so. No, I, I put my hand on my heart and promise that there will be no one on this jury who knows the first thing about what they're talking about. <laughs> then why ask them? Because they're the people. The public. They're taxpayers. Some of them are even parents. They have reserves of wisdom and political insight we mere professional politicians cannot hope to understand. So you wouldn't be allowed to serve on this jury, though? Absolutely not. No politicians, journalists, economists, scientists, <laughs> just people. Are politicians ducking their responsibility by appealing to the people at every opportunity rather than doing the job they were elected to do? Well... I'm not talking to you. Tell us what you think. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Write to us at the usual address or phone our letterline or email us or post an entry on our blog or just stick your head out of the window and shout. Whatever you think or even if you don't, let us know! <laughs> Cavendish Square, 4th of October, 1885. Sir, although it is evident we are men of widely differing tastes and habits, circumstances ordain that we must share these chambers. Let us at least do so in civil fashion. Therefore, Sarah, I insist upon your cooperation in the following matters. You are most welcome to read my books, but pray replace the volumes after perusal, rather than leaving them harem scarum about the chamber. My scientific apparatus is both delicate and costly, and you must regard it as entirely without your bounds. And foodstuffs, sir, are not to be consumed, and certainly not to be smeared upon the fixtures and fittings. There are sundry other matters I would wish to raise, but these are the most compelling. Yours sincerely, Dr. Henry Jekyll. <laughs> Dear Dr. Fatass, go stick your head in a pig! I will do what I like, and if you don't like it, that is good, because I do not like you. I have smashed up all your science stuff, and if you buy more science stuff, I will smash that too. I, I hope you do, because I like smashing. I am a smasher. Love and kisses, Edward Hyde. <laughs> Sir, this is wanton vandalism. I bitterly regret that our circumstances make it impractical for me to present you a bill for the damage. And the sketches you have scrawled on the fly leaves of my encyclopedia are not merely in the worst possible taste, but anatomically extremely implausible. <laughs> if you will not respect our home, you will please at least respect our body. 
We both have to live in it, you realize, and as a lifelong member of the Temperance Society, I deeply resent getting your hangovers. Each chapel. Dear Walrus Face, sod off. I will do what I like with our body. It should just be my body anyway. I look amazing in it. You make it look stupid and fat. And don't tell me what to do. If I want to have fun, I will have fun. And I do want to have fun because fun is fun. <laughs> oh, I've had an idea. And because I've had it, I will do it because that's what I'm like, Ed. <laughs> you've shaved our moustache off. <laughs> I can't believe you've shaved our moustache off. Also, you killed that costermonger. <laughs> you go too far this time, sir. You believe I have no sanctions against you, but I have locked myself in my room. And I have before me a quart of bad Rhenish wine. Prepare, sir, to sample your own medicine, H.J. Call that a drink? <laughs> I drink drinks like that before I start drinking. Give it up, Dr. Stupidhead. There's nothing you can do to stop me, so don't even try. Now I'm going to wear in your hat. <laughs> Sir, I present the compliments of my learned colleague, Dr. Stanford Harrison. Dr. Harrison is a pioneer of new surgical advances in the procedure known as vasectomy. <laughs> the word may be new to you. Allow me to explain it by means of the following emendation to one of your own drawings. <laughs> Don't think I won't do it. H. Dear Dr. Jekyll, I hope you like the new science stuff I have bought you. <laughs> I think it is nicer than what I did smash. I am very sorry about the smashing. I hope you will regrow our lovely moustache. It suits us, especially you. Yours, respectfully, and very sorry, like I said, Edward Hyde. That's better, H. But is it all right if I still kill costermongers? All right, but no more than one a month and you dispose of the body. <laughs> OK. I want you to listen very carefully and tell me if I've got this right. You're angry about what you think I said, about what you said, about what you thought I said, but we now both agree I didn't say about what you thought I thought you thought about what I did when you did what you did when I didn't do what you thought I said I would do, but what I thought I said I would try to do. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> well, I didn't say that. Yes, you did. You said you couldn't believe I said what I said about what I thought about what I thought you said, but which we do agree you didn't say, because you thought I said I said what I said, not because you didn't do what you said you'd do, but because you said you'd do it. And that makes me feel that you feel that I feel that you don't feel what I feel. <laughs> you know I feel you feel I feel what you feel. Yes, but I don't feel you know I know that, and that's why I said what I said. What, what did you say? That sometimes I think you're a little over-analytical. Bollocks. <laughs> Sorry, but please don't sing that anymore. Right, fine. So, if we ever see any, you'll be doing the voiceover for this, will you? <laughs> oh, no, gosh, no, no. No, David Attenborough will. Oh, I, uh, of course. I suppose you're a big fan of his, are you? Yes, yes, of course. Why, are you not? Oh, no, I am. Of course I am. Everyone loves Attenborough, don't they? Oh, yes, they do, yes. He's achieved so much. Aye? Mm. Although... Aye? Personally speaking, I've never quite understood why he still voices shows now he's retired from fieldwork. Aye, exactly. It should be you. Not me. Of course it should be you. You're the one actually out here freezing your nudges off waiting for his precious snow leopard. Where's he? 
Home in bed, I should think. Exactly. Well, I mean, we could send him any old thing. He'd never look. Tell you what we should do. We should just get ourselves an ordinary leopard and tipex him. <laughs> yes. Or, or, yes. Or, or we could find an albino serval and do potato prints on him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, we should just not send him any footage, tell him he can only talk over stuff he's filmed himself. <laughs> yeah, yes, um, like, uh, uh, here in Surrey, I can see out of the window the, the breathtaking sight of, oh, probably a starling or something. <laughs> oh, it's gone now. <laughs> Meanwhile, we've captured rare footage of the awesome sight of my cat licking his ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's by evolving strategies like these that the humble domestic feline has, over the millennia, managed to keep his ass so clean. <laughs> and his breath so bad. <laughs> <laughs> leopard! Yeah, I'm sure. No, really, leopard! Oh, God! Quick, get your gun! Yeah, yeah, yeah! Quick, quick, quick! Okay, 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 I'm here, I'm here. Uh, where is it? How's it gone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's a pity. <laughs> well, since you ask me for a tale of mystery, there is one queer incident that may intrigue you. It was a drear November night, and I was at home in my rooms, whittling. I'm a dedicated whittler, and it is my proud boast that given any wooden object, I can turn it into something smaller and pointier. <laughs> I was engaged on making a replica of the Queen Mary, the ship, from a larger replica of the Queen Mary, the Queen. <laughs> I was just getting to the fiddly bit of converting the forehead into a forecastle when the telephone rang. I answered it and heard the unexpected voice of my old friend, Henry Quoop. I say, Finnamore. Said he. I told you he had an unexpected voice. <laughs> You're by way of being a connoisseur of the strange and unexplained, aren't you? Indeed I am, I acknowledge, stroking the three-headed cat which lay on my knee. Purring, <laughs> <laughs> yawning and doing a crossword. Well, then, I wish you'd look in on us down at Coop Manor. Something rather rummy's happened, and I think there's something fishy about it. That was enough for me. I love fishy, rummy things. <laughs> my dinner parties are famed for my turbot Bacardi. <laughs> I leapt into my two-seater, and in no time at all, there I was, in my two-seater. <laughs> in some time at all, however, I arrived at Coop Manor. I was met in the stately entrance hall by the butler, Gardner. You will find the young master in the drawing room. He intoned, thereby ruining a perfectly good game of hide-and-seek. <laughs> ah, there you are, Finnamore. Said Quilp as I helped him out of the grandfather clock. <laughs> I don't believe you've met my sister, Charlotte. I looked at her. She had sharp, intelligent eyes, set in a sharp, intelligent face. Hello, Mr. Strangeman. All in front of a blunt, stupid brain. <laughs> Come to meet you, said I, making a small bow and pocketing it to add to the Queen Mary later. <laughs> now then, Quoop, what's this rum business of yours? Daddy gone a bye-bye. My sister is quite correct, said Quoop. Father has gone a bye-bye. <laughs> Three days ago, he went into the little cottage he built himself to practice the accordion in, and no one's seen him since. Suddenly, a ghastly noise rent the air. <laughs> it was my cat, who wanted, reading from right to left, feeding, stroking, and a nine-letter word for unachievable. 
rang the bell for the maid, who was too short to reach it. <laughs> I took the opportunity to question her. So, Alice, no one's been in the cottage since Sir Samuel disappeared? Oh, no, sir. Only Sir Samuel has the key, which he keeps at all times in a lead-lined safe, to which only he has the key, which he swallows every morning. And every evening? I try not to speculate, sir. <laughs> there was nothing for it but to break into the cottage. Inside was one bare room. The door had been locked from the inside. The windows were barred, locked from the inside, didn't open and were made of brick. <laughs> All the books were chained to the shelf, save one. Open on the table at a page entitled How to Secure a Room from the Inside. <laughs> All the boxes had been ticked. <laughs> Even the pen used to make the ticks was one of those ones on a little chain you get in banks. <laughs> oh, and Sir Samuel was there. Strangled with his own accordion. Questions whirled through my mind. Who had killed him? How had they killed him? Why had they killed him? Had they killed him? And if not, who had killed him? To be continued. Immediately. <laughs> One thing at least is clear, I told the household, when they assembled that evening in the denouement parlor. <laughs> Sir Samuel was murdered. Impossible! Cried the maid. What is impossible, Alice? A nine-letter word for unachievable. It just came to me. <laughs> A third of my cat purred her thanks. Who <laughs> furrowed his brow? I hate to say it, old man, but perhaps you should be talking to the butler. He's never held a job for longer than three months before he came here. Is this true, Gardner? I asked. Regrettably so. And why was that? I couldn't say, sir. Come, come, this is no time to play the innocent. No, that was the reason. <laughs> I couldn't say, sir. <laughs> I had a lisp. I see. <laughs> and how did you get rid of it? Sir Samuel's sister Susan, sir, solicitously seeking to assist, sent me to see Sir Simon Sisson, the celebrated speech therapist. Sorry, therapist. <laughs> I see. Who, then, was the murderer? The victim's son, my old friend. His daughter, the half-wit. His butler, with the thainful thickwit. <laughs> or his maid. The maid. <laughs> or was there someone else? Someone I hadn't dreamt of suspecting up to now, but who had been staring me in the face the whole time. I checked and there wasn't. <laughs> so I went with the maid. Curse you, Finnamore! Cried the maid, her face a mask of fury. Yes, I did it. And you found me out with your devilish detective trick of asking if it was me. <laughs> Charlotte looked puzzled. But how naughty bad made you go kill Daddy with cottage all locked tight snuggawag? <laughs> what? How did she get into the cottage? Aha! She didn't. You told me, Coop, that your father built the cottage himself. What I foolishly forgot to ask you was... When? Why, I don't know. Just before he went into it, I suppose. <laughs> it certainly wasn't here last week. Precisely. The fact is, Sir Samuel didn't build that cottage. The maid strangled him and built a locked cottage around the body. <laughs> it's the second oldest trick in the book, just after Got Your Nose. <laughs> Later that evening, Coop and I sat on the terrace, smoking our cigars and watching as the butler hanged the maid. <laughs> Good work, Finnamore. But I still don't understand how you knew it was her. Well, it has been well said that every master criminal, however brilliant, makes one crucial mistake. She was no exception to the rule. What was her mistake? Impossible is not a nine-letter word. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Finnamore's souvenir programme was written by and starred John Finnamore with Simon Kane, Carrie Quinlan and Laurie Lewin. 
The producer was Ed Morrish. If you've been affected by any of the issues in tonight's show, I'd be astonished.